0: And welcome to another edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I am your host, Sean Needham, along with my wonderful wife, Janet, and our producer, Lindsay. And today, as always, we are streaming live at AM 1470 KBSN in the Moses Lake Studio and also on Sean Needham, my personal Facebook page, and the Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy YouTube's page. You can also find these episodes uh, archived on YouTube and also on your favorite podcast form. So go in there, like, share, comment. We appreciate it. And if you have any guests that you know that would want to be on the radio show please let us know we would be excited to have him on we talk about everything healthcare here so today we have Carl Deval on the line and he is going to be discussing his weight loss journey and he's going to be going in for bariatric surgery later next week I believe on July 2nd and we are going to be discussing his story Carl are you on the line Awesome, awesome. So, Carl, uh, we had a great chance to talk uh, last week on our connection call and um, just kind of hear your story a little bit. So if you can kind of just start with, you know, kind of as a freshman in high school where you started with me, if you can start with that story, I would really appreciate it. Okay, well, when
1: I was a freshman, uh, we have the uh, – so I played football, so we had that way in at the beginning of the year to tell you where you're at. And I was – uh, 200 pounds at that point. Um, didn't really think about weight, just so you know, your kid. You don't really care. Um, by the time I graduated high school, I was about two sixty-five, somewhere around that. Um, had my son when I was twenty. Um, you know, things you become a parent, you become a little less active don't go out as much, stay home. I started putting on a little more weight. Nothing drastic. Um, then about when my son was three, me and his mother got married. I was about 285 then. two eighty, 280, two eighty-five. 285. Um, you know, just slowly, you know, just put on pounds year after year. Again, nothing real alarming to me. Um, then... You know that about ten years later, started going went through the separation, and divorce. Um, Then it started piling on pretty good. Um, After about two years after that, my mother passed away. And talking to my therapist, um, she thinks that's why. You know, I wasn't over the divorce thing yet. Then compound that with my mother dying, and got stuck in the state of depression. Uh, didn't want to do anything, uh, kind of stayed home a lot, um, still working and all that kind of stuff. Uh, drove school bus, and I farmed in the summer. Uh, then about six years ago, I stopped doing that, went to college full time, so I wanted to become a counselor. Then that brought more seclusion. I didn't go to work anymore. Stayed basically in my room doing homework, studying, and ended up at my highest weight last year in about the end of March. Ended up in the hospital with uh, blood clots and congestive heart failure. Um, was there for about a week. That was my highest weight. Uh, they took, while I was in there, they took 20 pounds just of water weight out of me. Um, Then I got approved in May of last year for the bariatric program, which surprisingly, as I was telling Sean on our phone call, I wasn't, quote-unquote, unhealthy enough, according to the insurance company, to deserve or to be able to get the bariatric surgery until I went in and had my knees x-rayed, and they said I needed double knee replacement. So that's actually what got me got me the, uh, okay to buy my
0: insurance company. So what was, Carl, what was your highest weight in the hospital? And, um, what was your age when you were in the hospital last year? Well,
1: so I was 45, 44 last year. And when I checked in, they said I was 713.
0: So, so 713, um, I did some quick math for our radio show and, um, so basically, since high school, you're two sixty-five in high school, and then twenty-six years later, you were seven thirteen. And when I did the quick math, at sixteen pounds a year, and when you think it doesn't about doesn't seem like a lot. It doesn't. That's what I wanted to to talk to our viewers and listeners about is, it's easy to gain sixteen pounds a year. That is only one yeah. point three pounds per month. So my takeaway, and we we will discuss this a little bit more in the show, is that. You know, this can happen to anybody if we don't take control of our habits. So I I appreciate you being on the show and sharing this. So another thing I wanted to mention, Carl, is so I think there's a breakdown in our system when you can be 600, 700 pounds, and your insurance company says you're too healthy because what do they mean by that? You didn't have diabetes, correct?
1: No, I did not have diabetes, and I at the at that time, I did not
0: know I needed replacement. Right, and so I find that interesting. I think you did have hypertension, um, but you were pre-diabetic, which I think yeah. I don't like that term because pre-diabetes means you're diabetic. You're going to be there shortly. So, yeah. I think what what my takeaway is from this is that obesity obesity itself should be looked at as a disease, and it's not. Yeah. You know, obesity. Those diseases you're talking about, your knee replacement, your. Because I think you have sleep apnea too, correct? Yes. Yeah. Yes, sleep apnea, hypertension, and and prediabetes. I think all those things are caused by the obesity. So why don't we, as society, look at obesity as as a contributing factor and, and a disease? So I, you know, that's definitely an issue. You have any comments on that?
1: Yeah, I. Well, the, well the where the breakdown is insurance company view this kind of surgery as um, a treatment, not a preventative care. So they want you to have, they would rather, in you know, they'd rather pay more in the long run, in my opinion, for all the health problems that would come along with being obese instead of using this as a tool
0: to prevent it. So, Janet, do you have any questions for Carl, some comments
2: on that? I do, because... One of, the, one of the things that I'm hearing from um, talking about the insurance industry is that they don't want to pay for the surgery um, because of perhaps the cost. So do you have any idea how much your surgery will be costing um, your insurance company once you have it?
1: Um, the figure that I was told, well, I was thinking about paying cash at first because I wasn't going to be um, accepted. And it was going to be about between 20 and 25 Okay. for the surgery. Unless you went down to Mexico and they could do it for about five. Right. But that comes up. That has other issues involved with that, too. So. Right.
2: So, um, where have you chosen, if you don't mind disclosing, where have you chosen to have your surgery?
1: I'm going to Rockwood and so again. Great. They're, they're the only ones that deal with state insurance.
2: Great. Okay. So... I'm guessing this means that you're on several medications. Can you give us an idea how many meds that you take daily?
1: I take three. I take two for blood pressure. Then I take a then I take Xarelto for blood pressure. Okay. And I take a vitamin. I take vitamin D because I love Good. vitamin D. Okay. So not as much as you
2: think. No, I and and, and that could be part of the reason you kind of fit that mold of not qualifying is because your age perhaps and that you were relatively disease free except for what ended up putting you into the hospital was kind of the train wreck waiting to happen
1: yeah and i like the way you put that degree disease free and not healthy right than healthy but
0: yeah. So, you had to, in order to qualify for this surgery, Carl, you had to lose some weight, correct?
1: Yeah, they wanted you to lose, what they say, 5% of your body weight. Um, Then, just all these other appointments you you have to take, you have to make and make sure you go to. But, I actually, the number that they had on their file of my weight was actually like 30 pounds lower than what I was when I got improved. So I actually had to lose twice the amount of weight that they wanted. If they would have had my actual weight down, I would have had to wait. I would lose about 30. I ended up losing almost 85, something like that, by the time I was all said and done in that six-month period. And, and seeing what's up.
0: Okay, and, and do you feel better just by losing, so you went from, what, 713 to 6, you're 602 now, Correct.
1: Uh, 600 on the dot as of this morning.
0: Awesome. Well, congratulations on that, Carl. Good work. So do you feel better just by losing, by losing that
1: weight? I do. I I feel a lot better. Um, and my feeling better probably make, would, other people would feel awful feeling like I feel right now, but compared to what I was at my highest and, Especially when I ended up going into the hospital, you know, I had to call the ambulance because I was having this shortness of breath, and I couldn't walk six steps, and it took me, like, over two minutes to recover just because I couldn't breathe. And so, I mean, compared to then, I felt 100% better, but, you know, that's all relative to, you know, I, I couldn't, if somebody else felt like I do now where I still get winded not going very far, and... I hurt most of the time, but compared to where I was, yeah, I feel a lot better.
0: So, so tell us how how you felt. What how did it make you feel when you called the ambulance? You had shortness of breath, and you were forty four years old, and you you might have not had any idea that you had a clot yet. Then tell us how you felt.
1: Um, scared. I felt helpless because I mean, there were fifteen guys, probably fifteen men here, the paramedic crew. You know, all volunteers in this area. And they were telling me you're going to have to walk out of the house because we can't lift you. There's no way. So, which I was able to, but in that condition, I wasn't sure who I was going to because I got you know I've got stairs stairs leading out to the yard to the sidewalk and uh, but I was able to do it and um, so they put me on that gurney and they would not let me get off the gurney for eight hours. I was on my back. They were afraid a clot was going to come loose or something. So they just had me as still as I could. A two-hour ride to Spokane after those six hours of being in the Freda hospital. The most pain I've ever been in just because I could not move. They wouldn't let me adjust. They had me strapped down. And yeah, helpless, scared. I know I couldn't do anything even if I wanted to. They were afraid even if I fell in the hospital, they wouldn't be able to get me back up. Um, so yeah, it was it was helpless. It was a helpless feeling, and you don't realize exactly how much danger you could be in until you're in a situation like that. Because you know, if I'm in the safety of my own home and I'm not, I'm upright. You don't think about it, but if you fall, I mean, I had a situation even before that a couple years ago where I was leaving band practice. I was drumming at the, for the band, and I was leaving band practice, and I. It was the middle of winter, and I always wear shorts and t-shirt. I don't wear ever wear pants. And I was wearing shoes without socks, and I fell, and I couldn't get back up. Mm. And I was laying in the ice and snow for 25 minutes. Um, luckily, I was outside of one of the other band members' house, and he was able to call, you know, call a couple people to come help me get up. But if I was by myself, you know laying in the ice for who
0: knows how long, you know, I might not be here. Right. So what was, what was, that's a very powerful story, Carl, and, you know, I I can't imagine going through that. Um, That must, must feel helpless for sure. So Mm -hmm. what was the straw about the camel's back when you decided that, you know, was it the hospitalization when you decided, I just, I need to, I need to lose weight?
1: It was before that, um... So it, it was weird. It's weird how the brain works and the psychology of it. Since I, I knew I had I had to lose weight, but at the same time it felt so overwhelming, the amount that I had to lose, that it was like this task or this challenge that I wouldn't be able to meet. So my and sometimes in my mind I would just, like, I would stop caring. I would just reside to the fact I was going to be overweight. That's how I was going to be. Not that I didn't, you know, nothing suicidal. I was never that. Not that I didn't care that way. It's just that I I didn't care. So my whole adult life, say, 25 years, if you fail at something for 25 years, you're not too excited to keep trying over and over again. You know, I've tried tons of things, hypnosis, juicing, Weight Watchers. Um, I told Sean that I went to... The Biggest Loser camp in
0: uh, back in Chicago, and I was there for a month. Hey, uh, Carl, we have to go to a commercial break. I would love to make that as a transition. Will you tell okay. us about The Biggest Loser as we get back on the break in two minutes? Sure. All right. Uh, you're listening to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Hello, and welcome back to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. If you miss it on our first seg segment today, we have Carl Duvall who is uh, discussing his weight loss journey on the line. Carl, are you still there? I am. Awesome. So you were you were talking about uh, Biggest Loser. First of all, let, for those of us that don't know and maybe not know, talk about what is the Biggest Loser and talk about your experience on that um, that uh, resort. Okay,
1: okay so, so it's based, based off the, the show, show that probably a lot of people know. Uh, it's a weight loss competition on the show, but here, or at the resort, they just kind of take their philosophy and apply it to, you know, what you can do at home, and so I went there. I did a GoFundMe thing, and uh, with the encouragement of my brothers, that I was hesitant to do, because, of course, I don't want to ask for help, um, but I put my story out there, and I ended up raising 5000 $5,000 to go. Then my brothers both pitched in quite a bit, and I was able to go for four weeks. Ended up losing 45 pounds in 28 days there. Um, they teach you about nutrition, and then they just, like, work you to death exercising. And so I did what I could do. It was I was, when I, Actually, when I was there, I, I clocked in at 6.05 when I was there. My first day, um, but I found it hard to transition home after being there. Um, especially coming home to the same environment that I left, um, living with some other people who didn't share the same eating habits. You know, it's like putting drugs in front of a druggie. You know, we entered the green cave in, and you know, you know, I, I was strong for a while, but old habits kick in pretty easy, and. It was hard to transition because what they what they preach is eighty percent of weight loss is nutrition, twenty percent is exercise. While I was there, probably twenty percent was focused on nutrition, eighty percent on exercise. They had us going eight, you know, six hours a day of exercise. And that's not realistic when you get home and So, I mean, I did learn a lot, but I wish I would have known more about nutrition when I left than, you know, the type of exercises I could be doing and all that. So, you know, that worked for a while, and I'm not going to say it worked for a while. It actually worked better for me this time, because I used what I learned there to do what I was doing this past year of just, you know, eating the right things and watching the calories and... So I did. I, I'm not going to say I didn't learn what I should have learned. I did, but I think they kind of they kind of do it backwards because they want more bang for your buck. Because most people only go for a week so they want you know the most effective weight loss. So that's how they do it. I just think I would I would do it differently if I were the if I was them.
0: Well, we do discuss on this show quite often about um, you know there's really three things that we can do to keep ourselves healthy, and that's um, exercise, eat, and sleep. And, um, sleep is the most important. We will die without sleep before we we'll die without food, but, um, definitely nutrition is more important than exercise. You're right, Carl. Um, 80% of it's probably nutrition and you can't exercise your way out of a, of a poor diet. Janet, do you have anything to add to that?
2: I do. Um, one of the things that I'm listening to Carl's story is that um, hits home to me with a lot of clients that we've had in, in the past is um, I feel like you're sharing that food was your drug or your support for struggling um, because food does make us feel better at times um, so I'm, I'm wondering if, if that's what you what you have found about yourself that you were using food for, for your um, crutch
1: Interestingly enough, I never thought about food that way. Um, I wouldn't snack necessarily. I would eat, probably my portions are too big. So as, I, you know, before I got into that, and even when I started losing this weight, I didn't feel I had that relationship with food. I know I ate too much, but I didn't feel that I went to it for anything. But so- As I'm getting ready to go to the surgery, Uh I'm nervous about not being able to eat a lot. Hmm. I'm nervous about I'm never going to be able to eat a big plate of nachos again or something like that. You know, a big plate of food, which I enjoy, which a lot of people enjoy, I'm not going to be able to do that anymore. And it feels, I've tried to explain it to some people, it feels like you're slowly losing a friend Um, because that's no longer going to be there after this is done. So while I'm excited about the surgery, I'm also nervous about the new normal that's going to be afterwards. And going through that, I do realize that I had that relationship with food.
2: Well, it seems like um, being away from other interaction probably played into that, too. If you don't have that many people that you're interacting on a daily basis, if you're reclusing, then um, the food is part of your daily interaction would you say that
1: yeah okay yeah it's just it's just coming more clear now that that's because right. i did stop you know i even quit the band because you know i was in it for six and a half years i quit because i hated the playing part i liked But everything leading up to it, I know I was going to be out of breath just getting into the car. I knew right when I walked into wherever we were going to play and all eyes turn, look at me. I don't like that feeling. Um, I wasn't able to, like, help load equipment back up after the show because I was just beat. You know, we played four-hour sets, and I'm drumming, and (laughs) there's my energy. I got nothing left to help them load equipment, so I felt like I was being, you know, a drag on the other members. And that brought anxiety and just I'd rather not deal with that than that was my only, that was really my only social interaction at all. And I stopped that just because of how it was making me feel. So yeah, I don't know. I guess food was my (laughs) food was my thing for a while.
0: So Carl, you mentioned that, um, you went after the Biggest Loser. You lost how many pounds? Did you lose on the Biggest Loser forty forty five pounds, correct? Forty. Well, while I was there, yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned that you went back to your old habits because of some of the just some of the people you hang around or hung around. Um, and this is, you know, something that we talk about on this show quite often. We call it the proximity principle. Is that you try to hang around people that you want to be like? So, can you mention some of the habits of? of the people that you were hanging around? Do you mind discussing that?
1: It's not not so much hanging around. It's just who I lived with. I lived, at the time, lived with my dad and my son, who were not on the same program. My dad tried right when I got home, and he got bored with it after about a week and a half, so he just kind of went back. And I did a lot of the cooking for him, especially at night. So I would, you know he would start complaining or not wanting to eat what I would eat, and then I would, you know, give in and make something, then all of a sudden it would be two nights a week, then three, then all of a sudden I'm not on my diet anymore. And, oh, well, there's another failed attempt. I don't care again. That's kind of how it was.
0: So um, did you – let's start getting into a little bit about – your your surgery, there's. I'm sure you know a lot more about bariatric surgeries than I do. There's 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 many different types. Um, what one are you going to have, Carl? I'm doing
1: the gastric sleeve.
0: And and what does that do? And what kind of limitations will you have because of that? Tell, tell us a little bit about the process that you know of, and um after after the fact, what you have to do. So. From
1: what I understand, it's about a 45 to an hour, 45 minutes to an hour procedure. Macroscopic, um, I'll have four or five incisions, small incisions. So what they're basically doing is they're cutting off 90% of my stomach and sewing it into what I call the sleeve because it's going to be the shape of a sleeve, uh, just a small tube. And whereas the full-on bariatric. Um, the big surgery, they actually reroute your lower intestines to a different part of your stomach, than they sew off the rest of your stomach that way. So it's a little less invasive, um, and over the years, over the years, they found it to be similar in um, success to the uh, bariatric, the full bariatric surgery. So, yeah, they're going to sew off, basically cut off 90% of my stomach pull it back out, or pull it out when they're done, sell me back up. Uh, limitations afterwards, it's basically going to be a liquid diet for, liquid or pureed diet for six weeks afterwards. Then I can slowly start introducing soft foods, soft meats at week six. Um, that'll go for about another two weeks, and about after two months, then they, they said you can kind of start introducing kind of quote unquote normal food just in very small amounts. And of course there's lifting restrictions, nothing over 10 pounds for the first month I believe, and nothing over 25 for the next month or so after that. Um, But it'll be tricky afterwards and forcing water you need, um, which I'm terrible at now. I don't drink nearly enough water, so I imagine it's going to be even tougher when you got a small stomach. and They want to do at a minimum of 48 ounces after surgery per day. They said that's the biggest uh, issue with getting people to, and it's an overnight procedure, it's an overnight stay, they say for the most part. Um, they want to make sure you're getting enough fluid so you're not dehydrating when you get home. Um, so yeah, that's basically what I know about. I'm going to be learning a lot on as it goes. They so gave me, they gave me a pamphlet. of like things I can eat and what's safe and what's
0: not safe and what to do. And stuff. Yeah, and, well, and and we're going to yeah. be following your journey on this podcast. We're going to have you back at least a couple times. Um, you know, a week after surgery and even like six weeks after too. So we can kind of keep following you. I'm I'm really excited to to let our viewers and listeners um, see your journey. It's 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 super exciting. So, um, Carl, what? So limitations when you you lose ninety percent of your stomach, then that means you have to eat a lot smaller portions, correct? Lots lot smaller portions and a lot more often. So like how, how often per day would you be eating?
1: Uh, six small six small meals I say.
0: I see. Plus okay. plus some snacks. Okay. And <clears throat> do you mind um when you were at your height? Your, your highest weight last year, 713 pounds. Do you mind discussing what a typical day of yours was like in your eating regimen and, and how big a portions you ate? Do you mind discussing that?
1: No. Um, if I can remember, it seems like it's a long time ago. Um, you're not probably going to think this is truthful, but I don't – I didn't eat – as much as you would think, a lot of problems, a lot of my problems, I would eat right before bed. Um, I took, I took a course, an eating disorder course, in my last quarter in college. And there's actually a, an eating disorder that is nighttime eating. You know, late eating. And I started reading about it. I didn't think it was a thing. I just thought I, had, you know, I just like to eat at night. Or, but I actually felt panic. I'd get panicky. Even if I wasn't hungry, I would get panicky if I went to bed without eating right before I went to bed. And so I would eat, like, sandwiches or chili dogs or anything, you know, just right before I went to sleep because I don't know why. I'm not going to say because because I just, I felt panicky and I felt better mentally if I had, if I was really full right before I went to bed. Um, I probably ate, You know, whatever we had for dinner, I wouldn't be one plate. It would be two, a couple sandwiches for lunch. Um, Breakfast was, you know, whatever. Uh, What would I usually have for breakfast? Um, I really don't know. It's actually hard to think about. I've been doing this other thing for so long, and I I didn't constantly think about what I ate before. I just ate, and I don't, obviously I ate way more than I should have because it takes a lot to gain that much weight, but I thought it was normal. I mean, I got two brothers that can out-eat me, and they're skinny, but they're also athletic, really, really athletic. I got a brother that is an Ironman, you know, he competed in the Ironman World Championships. I got another brother who's a personal trainer, and he's ran marathons, and here I am,
0: (laughs) Not that. So, did you? Um, did do you, do you drink? Did you drink a lot of your calories? I mean, did you drink cat, uh you know, calorie drinks? Um, you know, th- those things can add up. Did you? Did you do a lot of that?
1: Probably milk was the biggest factor. I drink a lot of milk. I didn't. I wasn't a big pop person. I would have one or two like bottles of pop. Not like liters, but know, like twenty ounce pops a week. Uh, so I wasn't a big sugary drink guy, but milk was probably my biggest biggest thing. I'm not a coffee drinker. I'm not an alcohol drinker. Um, so I, I I don't know. I well, drink sweet tea quite a bit.
0: Yeah, well, and really, so really it sounds like, you know, and we kind of talked about it at the first of the show, you know, um, you, ate, you overate just a little bit. It wasn't like you were just totally, totally going overboard at each portion. And that's why the right. weight just slowly over 26 years equaled 400 and some pounds. It just sounds like... What, uh, what
1: did you say is 1.3 pounds a month?
0: Right. 1.3 pounds a month over 26 years is 413 pounds. So.
1: I noticed, I noticed during this process, if I like just took a week off and just gave myself a break, I put on 15 pounds in a week. And It's like no wonder it creeps on you. you don't realize it because I don't look in the mirror either. <laughs> and I think there's a there's a, a psychology thing when men look in the mirror, the body dysmorphia. Men actually see better than what what it is, and women see a lot worse than what it is. Because I can look in the mirror and think, oh whatever, I look just like I did, you know, five years ago. Where you know someone else's perception, they can see I put on. You know, 100 pounds, and so if I don't look in the mirror, I don't see myself, you don't necessarily feel that different if you put on 30 pounds at my size, or even smaller, so.
0: That's true, and I think it's a good transition for our next commercial break, and I will talk to you about um, my issue looking in the mirror over 10 years ago, so you're listening to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, and we will be back in a couple minutes. Hello and welcome to the third and final segment of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. If you missed the first two segments, we have Carl Duvall talking about his weight loss journey. Uh, Carl, are you still on the line? I am. Awesome. So, Carl, you were talking about uh, you don't look in the mirror. Um, I'm assuming that's because it's a vanity issue. You don't want to see yourself in the mirror. Is that correct? Um, it's just
1: not part of my
0: daily thing. I just it okay. yep, so I will tell you a little bit about my story is you know, ten years ago, I lost about sixty pounds, and what it was very difficult for me to to look in the mirror. I just didn't really want to see myself. and um i I agree with what you were saying earlier about um body dysmorphia, um, although I think, we know, whether we be male or female, I think, um, you know, all of us can get into that into that where we, you know, don't like our bodies and I think we need to learn to love our bodies. And part of that is looking at our bodies. But I can definitely relate with not wanting to look at your body or not getting into that routine. And you know, there's more than just weight when it comes to um, our health, it's, um, you know, it's also, you know, losing inches, it's also, you know, it's not just a scale, it's losing inches, it's how we look, so those those are all all important factors. So, so Carl, what is your goal um, after surgery?
1: Um, I don't have any major, like, things, like goals I don't want to do, I don't want to go climb a mountain, I don't want to do any, I want to be able to live, I want to be able to... If someone wants me to go do something, I don't have to hesitate to say yes. I don't have to worry about, are the chairs going to be able to hold me? I don't have to worry about, can I fit in their car? I don't have to worry about, if I have to drive somewhere, can I fit in my car? Um, Will the bathroom, you know, can I fit in the bathroom? My, My family goes, my brothers and my dad go on this thing every year where... They rent a cabin in Leavenworth during the winter, and I never go because I don't know how I'm going to be able to handle it, so I just stay home. So I don't have any, like, goals as far as, you know, wanting to do... I just want to live a quote-unquote normal existence, which I haven't been able to do for years.
2: Carl, I think that's a, a good, obtainable goal that you want to live life, um, because participating in events with your family is going to make you feel better and you're going to be wanting to get out of your house more. So I, I think that was a great goal to have is that you want to live. And yeah. um, that's testament to um, being brave to face um, what you're dealing with with your weight loss is that, you know, you don't, you don't sound depressed and you sound very convinced that you are going to get out there and you're going to do this so you can be with your family and friends. And I think that's a wonderful goal. Uh, You know, I mean, think about how many things that you are going to be able to enjoy after this procedure, and you've um, lost some more weight. So I'm super excited for you. I think that is a wonderful goal.
1: They asked me that question when I was at the Biggest Loser Resort, and my answer was, I wanna walk into a room and not be noticed. That was my goal. Because heads turn, they do. I mean, and I know why. So that would be great to walk into a room, no one care. That'd be great.
0: That is awesome. I love it. So what are your expectations as far as as what what have they told you about your expectations should be as far as um weight loss?
1: Um Interesting, the surgeon said that I should be able to lose two-thirds of my extra weight just because of the surgery. I talked to the nurse practitioner who's on the team on Friday. I had two two appointments, one with a nutritionist, one with a nurse practitioner. She said, given what I've been able to do on my own, she suspects the weight will come off fast, um, so she actually talked to me about gallstones, which is an issue that people have when they drop really fast, so trying to get preventative treatment for that with with the medicine. Um, then she told me that her uncle weighed 600 pounds, had this surgery, and lost 400. And she says, I wouldn't have, you know, I wouldn't doubt in the least that you could do the same thing. I don't know if I necessarily want to get down to 200, but... Um, so I I kind of don't know. So the surgeon said I can get down to 400. She says it's possible I can get down to 200. <laughs> so uh, and, uh, and it's all going to come down to my effort. More than anything, this is going to be a tool, but it's not like this was my goal to get the surgery. That's not. It was my goal to get this extra tool to help. And I realize that it's it is just a tool. And I've seen people that have had the surgery and it reversed or it didn't reverse, but they stopped doing what they should have been doing, they put the pounds back on. I know it's possible. And it's up to me, ultimately, to make sure that that doesn't happen. And I think with the, you know, the decent foundation of nutrition that I do have, that'll be a help, a big help, actually. Um, and I, I try to tell people, they said, you know, that can you can put the weight back on, and I said, Okay, even if I do, not that it's a defeatist attitude, I just gain 10 years of actually living that I wouldn't I wouldn't have had if I don't go through this process. Because I know the weight's going to come off initially. I know that. And would I trade 10 years, possibly 15, of being able to go do stuff, even if the weight did come back on? Absolutely, I would. So I mean, it's not—it's not a choice. It's not a matter of that may not last forever, which it could and it should. But I would still do it.
0: Yeah, that's a very important comment too. I mean, for sure, um, you know, the most the. the the most dangerous thing we can do as an American is to be overweight. And if you can add yours to your life by, by being, you know, by losing weight, um, even if you do gain it back, I, I agree. I, I, I hope that you have enough support and, you know, you can do uh, um, things in, in your life to change your habits and, and definitely keep the weight off. That's, that's, that's for sure. So how is your family? Um, you mentioned your two brothers. I know I went to school. I went to, I graduated from high school with, with one of them, Glenn and Glenn, if you're listening, hi Glenn. And um, I'm not surprised that he's a triathlete. He was an awesome runner in, in junior high and high school. So, um, are they, and your other brother's a personal trainer, are they supportive of this journey? I'm assuming they are.
1: They're 100% supportive of it. Um, Glenn lives in Hawaii. Uh,
0: so, we can do his. How convenient life. is that to, to run an Ironman <laughs> Kona in Hawaii, huh? Exactly. <laughs>
1: That's actually how he qualified. He was, he was in the top percent for his age group in as being a native of the island or being a citizen of the island. Um, my other brother lives in Wenatchee. He's not actively a personal trainer. He has his personal trainer's license. He's a massage therapist. Um, he See, this is, they try to help and I resist them. I don't know why. Um, probably the, the dynamic we had when we were kids that I'm still holding onto that I need to work through. Um, Even when I wasn't overweight, one of them would constantly call me fat, no matter what. Um, Even if I was 10 pounds heavier than he was and the same height, you know. And he's the one, he's the one that really wants me to help. And just because I'm stubborn, I probably hold a little resentment towards that. I I refuse it from him, Um, which I I need to change that. And he is trying to help now, but... They're very supportive, and I think it's more me willing to accept their help. And I accept their support, but the help thing. I'd rather be brothers than a coach, if that makes any sense.
2: It makes perfect sense. I mean, family always will be listened to less than a friend or somebody that is a coach. I think that's true in all dynamics of family or in, so nothing new there. It's much easier to listen to somebody else and have to admit that your spouse or your child or, or you know, somebody in your family is right. Um, so, but I'm hoping that you will still have some people through this process that you can use um, to build your tools. And to. I think the support is, is part of it because when my husband went through his journey, you know, at the time our kids were small and we just, you yeah. know, the things that were crutches for him, we left at the grocery store, and we just made a, a commitment to that. So I hope you can have some people around you that help you with that commitment.
0: Well, I, and, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, uh, Carl.
1: Um, I mean, that's hard to say. It's hard. I mean, I live with my son, and he's nowhere near anything close to on my journey. He, he has a, a diet that I wish he would change. He's vegetarian, but he... It's not a healthy diet and, you know, he's kind of on the spectrum as well, so Mm -hmm. food choices with people with that condition, Mm -hmm. they like what they like and it's hard to veer them off of it. Um, He's He's fine with exercising with me, I just haven't even got to the exercise part for myself yet. I did all of this just with diet, I didn't do any exercise whatsoever. Um, so once that kicks in then he'll be all on board with working out with me, which is great. He's twenty he's gonna be twenty five here in August, so um, it's not like I gotta and he's strong, so it's not like I'm gonna have to, you know, work out with a little kid, you know, trying to make it work for both of us, so we can both do the same thing. So as far as that goes, that'll be good. Diet, you know, I'm just gonna have to I'm just gonna have to do it. I mean, supports, yeah, supports great, and it's important, but ultimately, it comes down to me, and I think I'm at a place where I can do it and where I need to do it, and I have a huge tool that's going to be in my back pocket here in two weeks, and I just got to go with it and make it happen.
0: Well, and I will say from my personal experiences, you know, um, our family struggled with weight loss or with, with our weight for many years. I had a, a, um, a younger son that had issues, and my wife had issues. And when I changed my diet and changed my habits, it, it ended up changing their lives. So you, you're about ready to, to change a lot of people's lives because of your journey. And I, and I just I love it, Carl, and thanks for letting us be a part of it. Um, so we got to wrap up about a minute and a half. Carl, what are your parting words for, for this um, since we won't talk to you until after your surgery?
1: Um, I just want to thank you guys for, you know, Sean for reaching out to me, which started out as a (laughs) a political debate, and it turned into, you know, come on the show. I've been, you know, silently following your journey, and I want to thank you for, because I'm very open with what I'm doing online. Um, That's kind of my support system, actually. You know, I, I was very open. I never admitted my weight until today. Um... But I was telling people you know what I was doing, told them the day I was approved for surgery, I shared meals that I was making, um, I shared you know how much I was losing. So if it inspires somebody to do the same thing or just push themselves to a goal, I've had people reach out to me and say they've reached goals because they're following my journey. That's great. That's you know it's ultimately for myself, but to other people.
0: That's wonderful. Yeah, I love that. And and thank you for, uh, um, you know, agreeing to be on. And I think going public with, with this is, is a way to hold you accountable. So that wraps up another edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. And we will talk to you next week.